Hello, and welcome to the Entertaining Abstracts podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. We've got a great show for you guys today, so let's jump right in. We're going to start out with three unlikely creatures seen sharing the same den. They haven't eaten each other yet. And Brendan Raskius wrote this article. A hyena, a warthog, and a porcupine walked into a den and decided to live together. Researchers discovered this novel phenomenon while monitoring animal dens at a wildlife preserve in Kenya. According to a study published on April 20th in the African Journal of Ecology, camera traps were set up outside five hyena dens at the preserve between 2016 and 2021, and it was soon observed the two of the dens had three species dwelling in them. Seven hyenas, three warthogs, and two porcupines resided in one of the hollows, while the other had 11 hyenas, six warthogs, and two porcupines as residents. The animals lived together for months at a time, sometimes coming and going from the same entrance just minutes apart from each other. It's likely that separate chambers inside the dens allowed these creatures to keep some distance from one another, meaning that they were neighbors more than roommates. Still, even with some separation, it's not clear why the African animals, both predators and prey, elected to live in such close proximity to one another. One theory is that it might be based on a healthy respect for the threats presented by their mutually formidable weaponry, namely their tusks, teeth, and spikes. Prey without similar defensive capabilities would likely not risk being near bedfellows like hyenas, say the experts. Interestingly enough, the hyenas living with warthogs and porcupines did not appear to eat those species, while other hyenas in the study did, implying a particular type of prey selection. They also tended to be active at different times throughout the day or night, meaning they weren't always in the hollow at the same time. Hyenas and porcupines are mostly nocturnal, and warthogs are mostly diurnal, so shared dens would be occupied on a time-shared basis, say researchers, stipulating that there was evidence of all the species being in the dens at the same time at times. Hard soil in the region during the dry season likely also made digging new dens difficult, which may have factored into the animal's decision to cohabitate. The trio of species appeared to bid adieu to one another when the rains came and the soil softened, bringing it into the alliance, researchers said. Den sharing has been observed in other species before, but little is known about the phenomenon in tropical climates like sub-Saharan Africa. Badgers, foxes, pine martens, and porcupines were observed living in the same hillside burrow system in Italy, according to a study published in 2019 in the Journal of Behavioral Processes. And that is pretty interesting indeed. Next article. An American tourist fell into an uncovered manhole in the Sin City of Thailand. He was rescued four hours later, but he said it felt like days. And Kina Ko wrote this article. An American tourist was rescued from the sewers in what's often referred to as Thailand's Sin City after being trapped for four hours. Jonathan Viamanoa, 36, fell into an uncovered manhole in Pattaya, around 90 miles south of Bangkok. As he was unable to climb back out, he shouted out for help from the underground sewage system for what felt like days, he told the local paper. The stranded tourist was rescued after security officers heard his pleas. 
I was on my way to a convenience store for a drink when I suddenly heard a foreigner shouting. I looked around but didn't see anyone there, said the security officer. But when I looked at the pavement, I saw a man peeking at me from the drain. Rescuers and residents helped lift the drain covers and pulled Vayamonoa out of the hole, which is said to have been 10 feet deep. He was shirtless and covered in sludge and said he could not recall much of anything besides falling into the uncovered manhole. I came from Hawaii. I fell. I was in front of the hotel, and then I just came up, and I don't know where I'm at, he said after he was hosed down and given a drink. The American tourist was unable to recall the name of the hotel where he had checked in with his girlfriend and could only describe it as the one with the boats. The police, however, discovered inconsistency with his statements through further investigation and verifying his entry documents. The man was said to be speaking in a confusing manner. Local authorities said that more investigations will be had into the incident. Tia has been dubbed Thailand's Sin City as its home to a vibrant nightlife and sex industry, though officials have been making efforts to eliminate prostitution from the city, per the Bangkok Post. Patia Walking Street is often referred to as the city's red light district, a place filled with bright neon lights from the many bars and clubs that line the street. In any case, interesting nonetheless... Next article, rare albino creature startles jogger in Ohio Park. See the treasured surprise. Brendan Rassius wrote this one as well. A woman spotted a rare creature while out for a jog in Ohio, according to her post on social media. Tammy Stevens, a resident of Olmsted Falls, was running in the Cleveland Metro Parks, a group of nature reserves in Greater Cleveland, on May 14th when she crossed paths with an albino raccoon. What a treasured surprise, she wrote in a Facebook post that included photos of the animal in a tree. I feel like I just confirmed that unicorns do exist. Albinism is a genetic condition that inhibits the production of melanin, according to WKYC, citing the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. Only one in every 10,000 to 20,000 raccoons has this. Other albino raccoons have been observed throughout the country in recent years. One was brought to an animal sanctuary after getting caught in a trap in Texas in 2022. And a pair of albino raccoons were spotted in a woman's backyard in Tennessee in 2021. Albinism has been documented in hundreds of other animal species, including birds, whales, and snails, according to the National Wildlife Federation. Wow, I think that would be great to see that. You can only hope, right? Next article. Scientists discover a virgin birth in a crocodile. And Veronique Greenwood wrote this article. In January 2018, a female crocodile in a Costa Rican zoo laid a clutch of eggs. That was peculiar because she had been living alone for 16 years. While crocodiles can lay sterile eggs that don't develop, some of this clutch looked quite normal. And one of them, in a plot twist familiar to anyone who has watched Jurassic Park, continued to mature in an incubator. In this case, the egg eventually yielded a perfectly formed but stillborn baby crocodile. In a paper out Wednesday in the journal Biology Letters, a team of researchers report that the baby crocodile was a parthenogen, the product of a virgin birth containing only genetic material from its mother. 
While parthenogenesis has been identified in creatures as diverse as king cobras, sawfish, and California condors, this is the first time it has been found in crocodiles. And because of where crocodiles fall in the tree of life, it implies that pedosaurs and dinosaurs might also have been capable of such reproductive feats. Here's how a virgin birth happens. As an egg cell matures in its mother's body, it divides repeatedly to generate a final product with exactly half the genes needed for an individual. Three smaller cellular sacs containing chromosomes known as polar bodies are formed as byproducts. Polar bodies usually wither away, but in vertebrates that can perform parthenogenesis, one polar body sometimes fuses with the egg, creating a cell with the necessary complement of chromosomes to form an individual. But what appears to have happened in the case of the crocodile, said Warren Booth, an associate professor at Virginia Tech who has studied the eggs. Booth is an entomologist whose main focus is bed bugs, but he has an extensive sideline in identifying parthenogenesis. Sequencing the parthenogenic crocodile's genome suggests that its chromosomes differ from the mother's at their tips, where there's been a little reshuffling of her DNA, telltale sign of polar body fusion. This is precisely what happens in parthenogenesis in birds, lizards, and snakes, Booth said, suggesting that this group of animals inherited the ability from a common ancestor. But crocodiles evolved long before many other modern parthenogenic animals, which suggest intriguing possibilities about the creatures that came in between. What this tells us is very likely that this also happened in pedosaurs and dinosaurs. Why do animals produce parthenogens? Though some parthenogens can survive to adulthood and mate, they are not always the healthiest creatures, Booth said. But the increasing ease of DNA analysis, which makes animals born this way easier to identify, has shown that they are not all that rare. It's much more widespread than people think. It's possible that parthenogenesis gives a species the ability to survive extended periods with no mate available. A fresh individual bearing largely the same genes as its parent might live long enough for a mate to arrive, thus allowing sexual reproduction, which tends to produce hardier offspring. But it's also possible that parthenogenesis is simply a trait that doesn't have enough downsides for evolution to weed it out. It's not necessarily a response to stress or even a lack of mates. In 2020, scientists discovered that lizards can mate and then lay clutches of eggs where some are normal offspring and some are parthenogens. This is Booth's hunch. It's an ability that can be switched on or off and is perhaps controlled by a single gene. So did dinosaurs do it, as the discovery of parthenogenesis in crocodiles suggests? Parthenogenesis is best confirmed with DNA analysis, a process that has allowed scientists to tell it apart from delayed conception, where a female stores sperm for as long as six years before using it to fertilize eggs. Without the ability to retrieve dinosaurs and pedosaurs' DNA, which does not persist in fossils, certainty is not available. We'll never be able to prove that they could do it, Booth says, but it suggests that they did have the ability. Huh. That is really, really fascinating. Next article. Scientists detected 5,000 sea creatures nobody knew existed. It's a warning. Dino Grandioni wrote this article. There are bright, gummy creatures that look like partially peeled bananas. Glassy, translucent sponges that cling to the seabed like chandeliers flipped upside down. Phantasmic octopuses named appropriately after Casper the Friendly Ghost. And that's just what's been discovered so far in the ocean's biggest hotspot for future deep sea mining. 
to manufacture electric vehicles, batteries, and other key pieces of low carbon economy, we need a lot of metal. Countries and companies are increasingly looking to mine copper, cobalt, and other critical minerals from the sea floor. A new analysis of the Clarion-Clipperton zone, a vast mineral-rich area in the Pacific Ocean, estimates that there are some 5,000 sea animals completely new to science there. The research published Thursday in the Journal of Current Biology is the latest sign that underwater extraction may come at a cost to a diverse array of life we are only beginning to understand. This study really highlights how off the charts the selection of our planet and the selection of our oceans is in terms of how much new life there is down there, said Douglas McCauley, an ocean science professor at the University of California at Santa Barbara, who was not involved in this study. It also underscores the conundrum of so-called clean energy. Extracting the raw material needed to power the transition away from fossil fuels has its own environmental and human costs. Advocates for deep sea mining say the toll of getting these materials is at its lowest under the sea, away from people and even richer ecosystems on land. It just fundamentally makes sense that we look for where we can extract these metals with the lightest planetary touch, said Gerard Barron, chief executive officer of the Metals Company, one of the leading firms aiming to mine the seafloor for metals. But the discovery of so much sea life reveals how little we know about Earth's oceans and how great the cost of renewable energy may be to life below the waves. At the bottom of the ocean, miles below the surface, is a potato, a bunch of potatoes, or more precisely, a bunch of rocks that look like potatoes. After a shark's tooth or clam shell descends to the depths of the seafloor, layer upon layer of metallic elements dissolve in the seawater built up on those fragments of bone and stone over millions of years. The results are submarine fields of potato-sized mineral deposits called polymetallic nodules. For a society in need of these minerals, the nodules are unburied treasures sitting right there on the seafloor ready to be collected. One of the biggest assemblages of nodules sits at the bottom of the Clarion-Clipperton zone, a region twice the size of India sandwiched between Mexico and Hawaii. The only light that deep comes from occasional flashes of bioluminescent animals. Despite decades of interest in mining this abyss, little is known about the region's baseline biodiversity. So a team led by the National History Museum in London analyzed over 100,000 records from years of research cruises sampling sea creatures. For some expeditions, scientists plunge boxes to the bottom and winch them back to the surface, much like an arcade claw game. For others, researchers used remote-controlled underwater vehicles to snap pictures or scoop up some poor, unsuspecting starfish or sea cucumber. The team found between 6,000 and 8,000 animals, with about 5,000 being completely new to science. One of the world's few remaining intact wildernesses, the extreme depths and darkness of the Clarion-Clipperton Zone, or CCZ, have fostered the evolution of some animals found nowhere else on Earth. Among them is the gummy squirrel, a neon yellow sea cucumber that may use its long tail to surf underwater waves and roam the seabed like wildebeest traveling across the Serengeti. Another animal spotted is a beady-eyed, stubby-armed cephalopod called the Casper octopus, discovered in Hawaii in 2016 and named for its ghostly white appearance due to perhaps lack of pigment in its food. Or at least scientists think they have seen the octopus in the CCZ. There are only visual observations, so we can't be sure it's the same species. Many animals find shelter in the nodules themselves. 
tiny ragworms burrow into them, while glass sponges, which use silicon to help build their eerie crystal-like skeletons, grow out of them. Little is known about how any of these species interact and form ecosystems. It's a surprisingly high-diversity environment, Glover said. That biodiversity has led to over 700 marine science and policy experts calling for a pause on mining approvals until sufficient and robust scientific information has been obtained. Too little is known, they said, about how mining may hurt fisheries, release carbon stored in the seabed, or put plumes of sediment into the water. Old underwater mining test sites show little sign of ecological recovery. The bottom of the ocean was once thought to be a bit of a desert, say experts. But now we understand that actually there's a vast amount of biodiversity in that area. Proponents of deep sea mining argue it comes with fewer ethical trade-offs than does land-based extraction. Deep in the ocean, there are no indigenous communities to move, no child labor to exploit, and no rainforest to raise. Right now, the top nickel producing country, there's a rainforest rich Indonesia. You couldn't dream up a better place to put such a large, abundant resource, said Barron, the executive at the metals company based in Vancouver. His firm has also provided funding to the Natural History Museum researchers. The company says it's designed its robotic vehicle to pick up nodules with as little sediment as possible. But Barron admits that it's a bad day for any organism to be sucked up. This is not about zero impact, he said, but about minimizing the global impact of mining. I don't know of anything that has zero impact. For now, there is no commercial extraction in the CCZ, which no one nation is in charge of. Environmentalists and mining executives are waiting for a UN-chartered body called the International Seabed Authority to issue regulations around underwater mining. But the small Pacific nation of Nauru, which is the metals company partner, invoked a clause in the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea to speed up the process. If all goes according to plan, the metals company expects to begin mining by late 2024 or early 2025, but opponents worry that isn't enough time to make sure it can be done safely. Experts say it's completely undecided about how we're going to oversee and enforce any of these regulations. That's a very live debate at the moment. Well, hopefully they'll figure it out in a way that can protect those rare creatures. Another albino creature in the news, a rare albino giant panda was spotted visiting other pandas in a China nature reserve. And Mike Snyder wrote this one. A rare all-white albino panda has made another appearance in new footage from China's Wolong Nature Reserve. Back in April 2019, the Wolong National Reserve in Sichuan Province in southwestern China released a picture of an all-white panda, which at the time was one to two years old, captured by an infrared-triggered remote camera. The reserve released new recently captured footage of the panda dropping in for a visit with a mother panda and a cub, which were resting in a tree hollow. The mother panda's response suggests to experts that the all-white panda may also be its offspring. Typically, a mother panda will be very protective of the cub, according to experts. The female panda, in this case, was extremely calm and did not conform to the general rule. One possibility is that the female panda is the mother of the all-white panda. Experts also describe the cub in the footage as about one to two years old, and the all-white panda is nearly the size of an adult. Hopefully more videos will be forthcoming because the reserve has 15 other video recordings of three pandas in the same area in a short period of time. The giant all-white panda has no spots and red eyes, leading experts to consider it an albino 
the only one known to exist according to several outlets. Wow, interesting looking image though. Check that out online if you have the chance. Next article, powerful solar flare that erupts from a sunspot three times the size of Earth caused widespread radio blackouts. Marianne Gunot wrote this article. A powerful solar flare exploded on our sun last week, releasing radiation that caused a radio blackout on Earth. The flare, classed as a M9.6 solar flare, had enough power to disrupt high-frequency radio signals in North America, Central America, and South America. There were no clear reported effects of the blackout, which lasted more than 10 minutes, though an expert previously told insiders such events can interfere with air traffic as well. According to Matthew Owens, professor of space physics at the University of Reading, he added that the Federal Aviation Administration will not allow flights if they don't have both radio and satellite communications. An M9 solar flare is a pretty powerful explosion, though it poses no health risk to humans. Solar flares rank from A, B, C, M, and X classes. An M9 solar flare is just a rank below the most powerful class of solar flares. The flare was caused by a large sunspot that was just out of view when the flare exploded. The eruption was only 1% point from being an X flare and would probably have been classified as such if it had been in full view of Earth's observational satellites. The sunspot, which is coming to view, appears to be about three times the size of Earth per spaceweather.com. Experts will likely keep a close eye on the spot as it comes to face the Earth this weekend. Sunspots are areas where magnetic fields are particularly strong and they are known to be associated with space weather events. This is the latest in a series of recent notable space weather events, including spectacular auroras and rare solar occurrences like plasma waterfalls and tornadoes. The sun is gearing up towards a peak of high activity in its near decadal cycle, which is caused by a sudden flip in its poles. As the sun becomes more active, it is exhibiting more frequent solar events like solar flares and coronal mass ejections. An X-class solar flare was spotted in March, causing radio blackouts in parts of Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Scientists have warned that these peaks of solar activity could potentially be dangerous if powerful solar storms were to short power grids around the globe. Last article for the day. Strange-looking bird didn't move for three days. Then PA researchers got a surprise. Mitchell Willits wrote this article. A strange-looking oil-covered bird rescued in Pennsylvania turned out to be an exceptionally rare raptor, rescuers say. A resident first spotted the bird perched on a low branch for three days unmoving. The Raven Ridge Wildlife Center said in a social media post. Seeing that it wasn't going anywhere, the resident grabbed the bird with a towel and contacted a state game warden for help. But it wasn't clear to the caller or the game warden what kind of bird they were dealing with, according to the Wildlife Center. With its unusual coloration, blonde and white feathers, the game warden's best guess was a juvenile bald eagle. He called to let us know he would be heading to our facility with the bird that was not able to fly or stand well, Raven Ridge said. When the bird had finally arrived, we were all just stunned by the beauty of the bird when the warden uncovered her. Rescuers cleaned the cooking oil off the bird's feathers, which is what had left her unable to fly, the wildlife center said. She was hypothermic due to loss of body heat and very thin and dehydrated, the post said. After she was stable and gained her strength back, she received a bath to remove the oil and is being hand-fed until she is strong enough to feed herself. It wasn't a bald eagle, but a leucistic red-tailed hawk, the center said. 
Though red-tailed hawks are common across the U.S., the bird's color made it difficult to recognize. Lutism is a rare genetic mutation caused by a lack of pigment resulting in white feathers or fur and has been documented in many different species, according to experts. While leucism is often confused with albinism, leucistic animals do not have the pink eyes and poor eyesight of an albino. There are an estimated 2.6 million red-tailed hawks in North America, according to the American Bird Conservatory. Of these, experts estimate only a few hundred are leucistic, outlets report. We feel that she is on the road to recovery and is making progress every day. We are hopeful for a full recovery and to get her back into the skies once again, Raven Ridge said. The Pennsylvania Game Commission has also taken interest in the rare hawk and has put a tracking ban on her to monitor and collect information, according to the center. But they won't get much use of it just yet. She will be with us for a while until we can get her back to 100% of feeling better before she is released, according to Raven Ridge. Raven Ridge Wildlife Center is located in Washington Borough, about 90 miles west of Philadelphia. And we do hope that little lady feels better and gets back to her normal self. In any case, we're going to wrap the show up for the day. If you have any questions or comments, you can shoot us an email. We will put the email address for the show, as well as any of the articles we have used for the show today in our show notes. And please join us again next time when we talk more about entertaining abstracts as well as tons of weird and wild stories. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye!